Chest Can out. I get the sus meter out? <laughs> chest out. Say it again. It's Say it loud and proud. All right, I'll say it with my chest this time. Chandler Parsons is hot. Yeah, oh, I'm making man. chicken wings just like Lou Will in honor of him. Oh, man. He go for some chicken wings. So for Lou Will. Oh, God. Don't Google it. <laughs> what is it? I'm Googling it. I'm it's- doing it. What do you mean, dude? How can you say that? Bruce Brown is sitting right here. <laughs> Bruce Brown can stay sitting right there. Hey, guys. Welcome back to episode 11 of the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast. I'm Vince, and I'm joined here by Giuseppe, Matt, and Mike. And today we're bringing you our top 20 shooting guards for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. Starting off on our list here, we have CJ McCollum at number 11. Mike and I both put him at number 11 on our list here. Mike, I'm going to let you talk into him a little bit first. Tell me what you like about CJ McCollum and why you're hyping him for this upcoming season. What the hell is this crap? <laughs> you got to give me some warning. I, you should go to Giuseppe, the biggest hater of McCollum. I can talk about McCollum Giuseppe, for a sec. Kick it. Yeah, okay. kick it. I know, but you would need to, you would need to readjust that because Giuseppe's going to answer when you try. Good point. No, we're going we're gonna to leave all this in. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, all right, I'll talk about him. Yeah, last episode I talked a lot about his understudy, Gary Trent Jr. I still like CJ McCollum as a player. He's he's a good player. I feel like the way he plays is nothing special. It's nothing flashy. And I guess it kind of brings my rankings down to him. CJ McCollum isn't someone I would want on a team that like the Pistons, if, like a team that I like. But CJ McCollum's played really well in the bubble. And you can see why he's actually a good value in fantasy. I was higher on CJ McCollum a few years ago. At the time, he was shooting 90% at the free throw line. He was shooting a, a much better field goal percentage at 48%. You see him gradually get worse over the years. I think that the Trailblazers depend on him and Lillard a lot. But Lillard has taken a much larger step and a much bigger role on the team. And that's hurt CJ McCollum a little bit. But when Lillard isn't playing, CJ McCollum was the guy on the Trailblazers as of right now. I pump my brakes when it comes to CJ McCollum because I like his understudy, Gary Trent Jr., better as a player. I think he defends a lot better. But for next year and the time being, CJ McCollum was that number two guy at Portland, and he's definitely a top 15 shooting guard option. Giuseppe, I, I don't know if I told you this. The other day I was watching the Lakers versus the Blazers game. It was like a two-point game, and the Blazers brought up the ball. And I told my friend, I was like, listen, this might not make any sense to you because Damon Lillard can shoot from anywhere and he probably has 40 points right now. But Gary Trent Jr. is shooting this next shot and he's making it. And then he splashed one. The Trailblazers just seem to have a lot of confidence in Gary Trent Jr. Just like they do in CJ McCollum and Lillard, which was really encouraging. The team has a lot of confidence in Gary Trent. And you can see that in a very important game in the playoffs. They're giving him the, the ball. Obviously, they're going to be doubling Lillard, so... The Lakers try to take a chance leaving Gary Trent open, and he made him pay. You know what I keep going back to with Gary Trent Jr.? And then we want to talk about CJ McCollum, and we're just talking about Trent some more because we've been getting – I don't know. I feel like you're right. I like CJ as a player a lot. I think that – I don't think I've ever seen him miss a pull-up mid-range shot from the free throw line in my life, and he always hits him in the clutch. Like, I really like CJ a lot, but he's been giving us the same thing for five years now, and I don't see that changing a ton for next year, which is why I have him at 11. I think that puts him around like the 11 to 13 range. Gary Trent Jr., I keep going back to – do you do you guys remember, Chubby? I know you remember this. A few years ago when Bismack Biombo was on the Raptors and he had like 25 rebounds in a game and then next year he signed like a $15 million contract. Yeah, with the Magic? Yeah. I swear, every time my player is like really hot in like the playoffs or like near the end of the year, I'm just like, oh, God, I really hope this isn't the next Bismack Biombo. I think Sidney McCollum, like I said, he's been declining recently 
And I think it's because Lillard's been playing better over the past few years. But I also think CJ McCollum, he's a fine player, like isolated, but he also needs someone to take the pressure off him. Like if CJ McCollum was the best guy on the team, I think he'd really struggle. Sure, he'd still try to play like isolated, like 1v1 against the guy, but he'd have the best defender on him rather than the best defender being on Lillard. He's good enough to be the, the number two guy, and he plays it well. Weirdly enough, I feel like if you take CJ, take Dame off that team, you're going to get similar stats out of CJ that you got a few years ago out of DeMar DeRozan. Because they're kind of similar players to me. Like, And another thing is, like, I don't know why CJ only gets three free throws a game because like, he takes a lot of threes, but he also takes a lot of mid-range shots, and he's a relatively slashing shooting guard, but he just doesn't get to the line a ton. But, yeah, I kind of see him as, like, a like if he was his team, he'd be, like, just a less efficient and more three-point shooting version of DeMar DeRozan. I completely disagree. I feel like if you got rid of Lillard on that team or if CJ McCollum went to another team, and I hate to say this because I didn't want to have to talk about him again, he'd be a current Bradley Beal. Not scoring as much, but that's the numbers he'd be putting up. They shoot virtually the same percentages, and he gets three threes a game. I think that McCollum, the only reason he doesn't get to the line all the time is because he plays with Lillard. That's like playing with Harden and, and expecting that you're going to get more than two free throw shots a game. It's not going to happen. It's also in his play style. I think a lot of his points come from mid-ranges, like Vince said. So he doesn't really attack the paint as much as you think. Is it me or do I feel like he just lacks power? I don't think I've ever seen CJ McCollum dunk on anybody. I just don't think he's an extremely flashy player. Huh. He's not very athletic not for a shooting guard. I mean, I feel like yeah. he's very, like, slippery. Like, he definitely have a Hall of Fame slithery finisher in 2K. But, like, I just don't see him ever. Like, if he goes to the rim, it's like he's doing a layup from underneath behind the backboard. Do you I guys just feel think, like he's not, he's not very strong. Do you guys think that Kyle Lowry's an explosive, like, agile point guard? He's more agile than he looks. He's a yeah. walking brick. But I love and that's kind of like <laughs> how I imagine TJ McCollum. He's more agile than he looks, but he's also not in that top tier of athletic and, and quick point guards but he's got a like deceivingly quick step but he doesn't have that power like Westbrook like pop up jump over defender and shoot it or you know try to get an and one or something you don't really see CJ McCollum go for those type of plays I also feel like CJ McCollum has had a huge drop off he used to be on the all NBA hair team and lately he's doing something that I just I don't know what's on top of his head right now I just think that it's another really important stat that we need to be looking into for next season it's just what kind of hairstyle he comes in with and that's really just going to be what sets him apart or, or what doesn't, you know? Oh, yeah. You already know Mike's top two stats. Looks and then age. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a big reason why CJ McCollum didn't, you know, isn't as high. CJ McCollum's going to come in with like a Jalen Brown box cut back when he was a rookie. And he's going to drop 30 on your head and make you eat your words. Dude, I love those box cuts. I think those are sweet. <laughs> I know. Mike, I want to see your ranking when we get to the small forwards of Jason Tatum. Before and after, he just changed his hair. What did he do to it? Besides, didn't he just get a buzz cut? No, he used to have a buzz cut. Then he just grew hair? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason Tatum, the man who can grow hair. I think we've talked about CJ McCollum for the last 10 minutes, and I don't think we've said more than three things about CJ McCollum. I think we talked more about Gary Trent. So coming in at number 12 on our list, we have Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has been doing great since the bubble came back up. This past year, he put up 20 points, six rebounds, and two assists on 48% shooting and 72 from the line. He's been a really solid player in his first few years in the league, improving every year. And I know that all of us see an improvement out of him continuing into next season. Giuseppe, you have Jalen Brown higher on your list than CJ McCollum, and you got him in as number 11. 
Do you want to kick us off here and talk more about Jalen Brown and what you see coming out of him? Yeah, full disclosure, I was not a big fan of Jalen Brown when he got picked. I thought he was a really raw player. He was obviously very athletic, and that's why they were happy to get him. But I didn't think he really had the NBA talent when it came to basketball IQ and you know his shot and all that. But he's really proved me wrong this past year. I drafted him this year with the hopes of him growing into his role with the Celtics. And early on in the season, I was really frustrated with him. And then once I traded him in the second half of the season, I finally got to see the Jalen Brown that I was hoping I was going to get. And I also have to give credit to to Mike. You know, he convinced me that, that Jalen Brown deserves to be a, definitely a top 15 shooting guard next season. You know what, Giuseppe? I think that's the first time I've ever been complimented after being slandered for hyping up certain players. I think Jalen Brown is a very good shooting guard. He's, I think, oversized compared to most guards. With him playing as well as he does, technically playing behind Jason Tatum, really impressive. I feel like provided he's on a team like the Pistons, he has the ability to be the guy of the team where, as we talked about CJ McCollum, him drawing the greatest defender, we don't know if he has that type of ability. Like we talked about last episode with DeMar DeRozan, he's one of those guys where, at least for me, I didn't realize how well he was doing until I just looked at the numbers. When you watch a Celtics game, it's not super obvious that he's becoming a star on that team. You look at Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker a lot, and it's kind of hard to believe how much firepower there is fantasy-wise in their starting lineup, but Jalen Brown really carved his niche within that team as the season went on. Like I said, I didn't expect him to make a big jump this year. I expected him to make a jump, but to become a 20-point-a-game scorer on solid efficiency is something that's really impressive out of him and a big reason why I have him so high on my list, and I know a lot of us do, and why I think he's going to keep getting better. I just think sometimes being a really good basketball player doesn't always translate to fantasy, but more often than not, it means that the following seasons you will improve as a fantasy option as your team draws more of a role for you. And I just think that's going to be the case with Jalen Brown. Mike, I just want to address what you said about Jalen Brown, like playing with the Pistons or something. I think that if he were to play on another team, he would not be playing as well. I think that he's a good player. I think he's improved a ton. But I still think that he'd struggle being the focal point of a team. I think he's a product of a very good Celtics team. I think that's the best place for him, especially right now. To go back on Vince's point about Jalen Brown's efficiency, he was putting up 2.3 threes a game on 48% shooting. Honestly, for being 12th on our list, that's pretty solid. The only thing I really have like an, as a negative for Jalen Brown is his free throw percentage. I would like to see him improve his percentage at the line, and hopefully that propels him into our top 10 in the next few years. And then us holding their breath whenever Matt talks about free throw percentage, <laughs> thinking he's going to start talking about Devin Booker. <laughs> <laughs> not not today, Vince, not today. Just now that we're talking okay. about it, I really didn't realize the difference between Jalen Brown and CJ McCollum and talking about free throws and free throw percentages and getting to the line. I didn't really realize the severity of what it was like playing with a player like Lillard or Harden. The fact that Jalen Brown gets to the line four times a game and C.J. McCollum's only shooting two two free throws, that's kind of bizarre to me. David, Jalen Brown's a completely different player than someone like C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum is dependent on his his shot and his mid-range shot more than anything, while Jalen Brown can drive and he will try to finish it, you know, and he'll get fouled. So Jalen Brown's a much more athletic player, and he uses that to his advantage. I mean, Jalen Brown's definitely more of a slashing guard, more of a Levine-type player. But you see plenty of guards lean in to get the foul off the shot on jumpers and whatnot. So when it's such so low volume like that, I was just expecting their the amount of attempts they get to the line to be similar, whereas Jalen Brown gets to the line twice the amount of time. 
I also think it connects to what you said about how CJ is a very elusive player. When you were saying like slippery and slithering, and he's, he's elusive is right, the word for it. But yeah, I think that's a bigger reason why he doesn't shoot a ton of free throws. And before we move on to the 13th spot on our list here, I want to just say real quick, Mike, earlier when you said that CJ McCollum without a first star would just be Bradley Beal, I want you to know that I don't agree. But I think if our listeners heard any more talk about Bradley Beal, they would immediately click off. So we're going to let it slide in this episode. And we're going to move on to the next spot on our list. All right, so moving on to number 13 on our list, we have Buddy Heald from the Sacramento Kings here. I specifically remember back when Buddy Heald was in Oklahoma, Giuseppe and I having conversations watching Oklahoma games, pondering on this. I was actually going to do really well in the league. And so far, he's been a really solid player, putting up great numbers on the Kings. However, he hasn't been the most efficient player in the world. Shooting 42% this last season, he was a very streaky player, a very good player, but a lot of times we'll either put up 30 or we'll put up five on two of 17, just type of player like that. So Matt, you have him as number 11 on your list here. You have him higher than the rest of the three of us. I put Buddy Heald at 11 on my list because I see him improving on his efficiency this year. With the amount of threes he's taking and making, I see his value being right up there with CJ McCollum and Jalen Brown. Right now, he has a very good free throw percentage. I know everyone is always uh, joking about how I always bring up free throw percentage, but it is one of the nine categories we play with in our league. So, Yeah, free throw percentage is definitely important with every player in the league, especially when you have a bad one. I'm actually surprised to see that Buddy Heald only shot two free throws a game. So even in his good free throw percentage, he really doesn't help your team as much as you'd expect him to. Like Vince said, I had him this year. Looking at him set-wise, I was happy with what I got out of him. But on a week-to-week basis, I was always disappointed with him. Next year, I'm expecting him to play better. And like Matt said, Buddy Heal's best attribute is his three-pointers. Up there with Harden, he was number two in three-pointers made last season. That's also a reason why he doesn't shoot many free throws. Is He's always at the three-point line, always willing to shoot, always has the green light. In the right system, and the right fantasy team, he can help you a lot. If your strong suit is a three-pointers or points and you're, or you're looking for that, he could really help a team out. But Buddy Heald isn't someone that previously I wanted on my team. He's someone that at the right price, I'd maybe pull the trigger on that. But I'm not actively looking to, to have Buddy Heald in any of my fantasy teams. After listening to our discussion over the last three players, I definitely think there's room for uh, reconsideration of having Buddy Heald at 11. I think me putting him there is really just me having a take about him making another jump this season. I mean, you shouldn't feel bad about putting me at 11. You shouldn't reconsider your decision. I think that any of those three players out of Jalen Brown, CJ McCollum, and Buddy Heald are all a toss-up, even to be on the, the top 10 talk. I mean, Buddy Heald, outside of his field goal, he has no bad categories. Field goal and turnovers. And to be honest, his field goal is really not that bad compared to all the shooting guards in this range. So it's not reconsider after talking about it. You put him there, and he deserves to be in this talk. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before the podcast today about how McCollum, Brown, and Heald are really kind of in their own tier. We'll talk more about this when we get closer to Fantasy Draft next year. We'll probably devote a lot of an episode to it. There's a certain drop-off in shooting guards that, spoiler alert, happens right after Buddy. And I think a big differentiator for me in putting him at my 13th spot is that the Kings last year were fairly hurt. Marvin Bagley didn't play a ton of games. Darren Fox didn't play a lot either. 
you saw some guys like Buddy Yield and Rashawn Holmes get potentially inflated stats as a result of it. And if we see that team fully healthy, it might help his efficiency because he won't have to take as difficult of shots. And he takes 10 threes a game. And I know that he's a he's a sharp shooter and shooters shoot, but he won't have to do that if he has a lot more firepower on his team. So it might help him efficiency-wise, but I do think that it means that when you look at players like Jalen Brown or CJ McCollum, who are in teams that I don't see changing a ton, or at least I don't see changing a ton in ways that really affects them negatively, then that is a differentiator in a way that Buddy Heald could be slightly worse than them for the next year. I got a question for you guys, if anyone can answer. But here it says that he played 72 games, but he only started 44. Does anyone have a reason for that? He went through a shooting slump, did he not? And he got moved to the bench. He was like that. announced to be the starting shooting guard. Stubby, you and don't remember that? No. He, started- he was on your team. You you benched him one week because he wasn't starting on the actual team and you needed to get a lot of production. They moved him for fire apart off the bench. They probably put Bogdanovich in his place or something like that. Yeah, a lot of teams just have, like, their best shooter coming off the bench, like Lou Will with the Clippers a few years ago. Like, he was their best player, but he was also their sixth man. It could have just been the case with Buddy this past year. I don't even know if it hurt him. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but... I'm pretty sure it significantly helped him. He started off the season pretty bad, if I'm not mistaken, and he really picked it up because I was targeting him. I wanted to get him in fantasy, and then I think they moved him back into the starting lineup, and he kept the same production. I'd have to look at it, like, what games he started, which ones he didn't. He's still a top 15 shooting guard in my eyes, but when I saw him coming out of Oklahoma, I had a lot higher hopes for him. I thought that he was a very good shooter. It hasn't translated to NBA levels as much as I expected. And having said that, he's also a 20-point scorer, so it's not like I'm I'm bashing him. I just think that we all had higher hopes for Buddy Heald than what he's showing us right now at 27 years old. I always forget, because he came into the league at, 24. The fact that he went number five, I don't think now, like, I don't think this year he would have gone number five because, like, teams back then were more willing to go players who weren't 19 years old. But, yeah, I forgot that he should be in his prime right now. And I think he's a good player. He's a really good spark off the bench. But, and that's kind of where I thought he was going to be coming out of college. Yeah, it's a good point with the draft because players like Malcolm Brogdon become second-round picks just because they're one or two years older than other players in the first round. NBA teams like to have younger players so they can mold them into the, the guy they have, but there are a lot of good players that come into the league late. There are players like Milos Teodosic that come in at 30, and, and Nikola Melli, they came in at 30, and they play a role on teams. So I think this just goes to show the potential that people saw in Buddy Hugh. They were willing to draft him at number five at 24 years old. Can't believe you just brought up Milos Teodosic in 2020. That was crazy. <laughs> I forgot about that guy. You just love pass first point cards. I love him. All right. So moving on to the 14th spotter list, we have Lou Williams, six man goat, sweet Lou. He's been one of the best six men in NBA history. This past year was really no exception. Put up 18 points a game with six assists. Not the best efficiency, like like I said, in a similar strain to Buddy Heald. Going into his 15th NBA season this next year, which is honestly a really impressive string of consistency coming out of him. Lou Williams has withstood the test of time so far. Clearly churning out great years year to year, no matter how much talent is around him. And going around that 15 to 20 point range with really not a ton else, but kind of landing him in this 14th spot for us here. There wasn't a ton of inconsistency Everyone had him at 14, except for Mike, had him at 15. And I know that that's just splitting hairs. Like we mentioned, after Heald, it really is a lot of players that bring similar value to a team. So, yeah, we have Lou Will coming in at 14 here. So, Giuseppe, I know that you have been a Lou Will fan for a minute now, so I'm going to let you get into it. I think it's hard to not be a Lou Will fan. Ever since he got into the league, since he was 19, he's been an off-the-bench scorer, and his career has only started 118 of his 1,000 games. 
So he's had that role for 15 years. He's been that sixth man. Lou Will's been sixth man of the year three times. Him and J.J. Redick, I think, have been two of the most consistent players for the past 15, 20 years. Like, if you look at Lou Will's stats, Lou Will's stats, no matter what team he plays on, Philly, Atlanta, Toronto, L.A., Houston, the Clippers, he's always doing the same thing. That's something I really respect for Lou Will. He's always just playing at his best no matter what situation he's in. I also enjoy watching Lou Will because he takes over the games. Like, he's never scared to be the guy. He's had a career 84% free throw percentage. In Lou Will's 15th year, he had his highest assist total at 5.5 assists per game. I thought that was extremely expressive for someone who's 33 years old having their highest assist per game. Dang, I'm looking at it, and he, he started zero games all the way up until he was 23, and he started 38 games, and then ever since then, he's literally started single-digit games for the most part. That's crazy. Because someone that we talk about is, quote-unquote, the man when, when it needs to happen, and he just plays a very unique role, and I think that he shoots 42% field goal, which isn't great. It's, you know, just below average compared to the rest of the shooting guards we talk about. But you know, you know what to expect from him every single night. You know exactly what kind of numbers he's going to put up. Like You never see a negative from him. He's got a very high floor, and then some, some games he'll just pop off, and he'll be a nice surprise. So I think for him, he's definitely someone I target for the right price. Are we really going to talk about Lua for five minutes and not talk about Magic City? I was going to mention it. It's been too long. I know we're all trying to be professional here. but oh. <laughs> The man just wanted chicken wings, man. <laughs> he just wanted some wings. He just wanted some wings. Come on, back off. I totally forgot about that. I want to believe him when he says that, but also videos or like pictures of him getting like a lap dance too. <laughs> it's just a lap dance and wings. Come on, give him a break. No big deal. It really is admirable. Like you said, like JJ Reddick's a similar guy. Every year they do well, like just like the same thing. You're not to expect there's some, that's definitely a value in that. We don't talk about too much. Like a lot of the players are about to talk about the reason why they're below Lou Will is because you might not know what's going to come out of them this year. We're going to talk about some younger players, some guys in expiring contracts. That, like, there probably will be 14 better players than Lou Williams this year, but you don't know what those 14 players are going to be, and you know that he's going to be around that range. Absolutely. I think that's definitely some, like, something that we have to talk about and think about when ranking Lou Williams is that you know basically what you're going to get out of him. Like, yeah, like every year he might improve or deprove in certain stats. Like his points have gone down a little bit and assists gone up, up a little bit, but his value has been – it's especially crazy when you consider the fact that he's gone from teams like those Laker teams five years ago where he was probably their best player to now where he's on the Clippers with probably three better players than him. And he's still putting up 18 points a game and six assists. Like, like you said, it's really hard to hate the guy. He's developed his game to match the flow and ebb of today's play style. And I don't see that stopping. Just another thing about him is he has a lot of experience in the league, as you said. He's been tossed around and on a lot of teams. I like what you said about him. I mean, if you look at the Clippers team, yes, they do have Kawhi and Paul George. But no offense to Patrick Beverly, they don't have that traditional point guard role. He kind of evolves as that sixth man to be whatever the team needs. And so this year, yeah, he is providing more in the assist category and losing in points, whereas when he played like on the Lakers, they needed a high-volume scorer off the bench, and that's what he was able to do. So no matter what team he's on, he's always going to be able to produce and is going to be have value until he retires. I mean, Vince talked about like the value of having someone who's consistent. That's someone I put a lot of value in as a fantasy owner. Like talked about before, when you're in a matchup, you want to know what to expect from your team. If you're thinking that your team might be stronger in certain categories and weaker in other ones, you can kind of account for that, which I think is a very important piece of the fantasy basketball puzzle. 
This is a total side note, but isn't he dating someone's sister? Probably. Most people are dating someone's sister. <laughs> Paul George is dating Doc Rivers' daughter at one point. Oh, maybe that might be. Yeah. All right, so moving into the number 15 spot on our list here, we have Evan Fournier of the Orlando Magic, another sneaky player who had a career year, and a lot of people didn't talk about it, which I feel like is just a case of the fact that the Magic are just an overlooked team in general. But he put up 18 points a game this season on two and a half threes. Fairly good efficiency, approving it. Again, a career year, shooting 47%. Doesn't give you a ton of set of points, but really efficient, solid production and a lot of good categories. Just happy. I'm a ha- Actually, you've started too much, dude. I, I know. I start way too much. Why would I want to start on Evan Fournier? Of course no one talks about it. We got we got the boy Jonathan Isaac on the magic. Come on, now he takes all the attention. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Evan Fournier anyways? Actually, I'll talk about it. Screw this. I want to talk about two years ago, I had Evan Fournier on my fantasy team, and I had to spend an entire Sunday afternoon watching a game that didn't matter. It was like the Magic who weren't in the playoffs versus another team who weren't in the playoffs to watch Evan Fournier sit in the corner the entire game and shoot like four times and me to lose by three. I love Evan Fournier, but I think I have him lowest on our lists here. And I think it's literally because that tainted it for me. The Magic beat the Raptors in game one last season. Yeah, they were the first team that won in the playoffs last year. Yeah, so I, lo- I love the Magic. They were in the playoffs. I, I also really like teams that play with a lot of bigs too. Like they have Isaac Gordon and Vucevic who all could play the center on the Rockets easily. Fournier just plays the two alongside like Marco Fultz. Like, I like their starting lineup. It's just that he has a very specific role, and that role is to stand in the corner and to let Fultz kick it to him. Can we talk about how on um, Basketball Reference it has his Twitter account it says Evan Four Miz, and then it says in parentheses, "Don't Google." I kind of want to Google it now. Because I think he talk about Fournier and Google it, and then we can get a live reaction. It says Evan Four Miz, and it says, "Don't Google." No, I've heard this before. Hold on. Like, it actually is kind of disturbing, I feel like. You look at I don't know. Maybe they just don't want you to look at his face. Maybe. Wait, SB Nation made an article called Evan Fournier's nickname is never Google and seriously do not do that. Why do they not want us to Google his last name? It's what are you Fo- hiding, Evan Fournier? Oh, God. Miz. No, it's Fournier. Oh, God. Don't Google it. <laughs> what is it? I'm Googling it. I'm doing it's, it. It's a disease in the genitalia. <laughs> what why did you bring this up to my attention it says don't google it of course i'm not doing it that's gross i'm not looking at it oh god they went out of their way to tell us not to google it and that's the only reason i did i wasn't gonna go who would google Evan fournier's last name who who would care this much i think evan fournier is actually a really good late round draft pick I think that he gets undervalued every year. He surprises me when I watch him play. He reminds me a little bit of CJ McCollum. He's just a shooter. He doesn't really drive to the basket as much. I think he's a better shooter than most people give him credit for. I remember there was games this year where he went off for almost 30 points, and he's fairly consistent. He won't go off for a 40-point game or anything near there, but he'll consistently be at his average or maybe slightly above his average. It's also pretty surprising that he's only 27 years old. I thought he was way older than that. So when I heard trade rumors that the Pistons were potentially going to trade for him and maybe Aaron Gordon, I was kind of didn't want that. But I would be okay with having Evan Fournier on the Pistons. I think that he'd be a better option than anyone anyone we have right now. I'm looking at you, Bruce Brown. How dare you? (laughs) What do you have against Bruce Brown? No, you know, I really like Bruce Brown. I just don't think that he's a value in fantasy. I think he's a good... NBA player, but fantasy wise, he he can be a mystery box, but he's gonna be like the last guy on your bench. Yeah, he could be a ray gun though. 
Yeah. You just got to... <laughs> You just got to spin three times and crouch below the box and not look when you get your gun. He could be a ray gun. You just got to play in the G League. Mike, I know you want to talk about Aaron Fournier. Oh, sorry. My bad. Getting my wings out of the oven was a little bit more important than Aaron Fournier. Uh, yeah, I have nothing to say about him. He's he's an all right player. <laughs> I mean, Mike goes, of course kid. I want to talk about him. He just looks like, you know, a poor man's Chris Middleton out there. He's, he's fine. I just will all never right, grab him. After this, we're going to re-record our Evan Fournier part, but instead we're going to put pictures up of all the players, and I'm going to give you a picture of Evan Fournier with a full head of hair. In that case scenario, where do you have him on your list? I can't remember if he has a C.G. McCollum haircut or... He or doesn't have a haircut. Oh, he shaved it, bro? He looks like Chandler Parsons. Oh, that's the biggest mistake he ever made in his life. You don't want to look like Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons used to be the, like, de facto <laughs> hottest player in the league. Gee, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's roll that back. Say that again. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, Chest yeah, out. Yeah. Chest Can out. Can I get the sus meter out? <laughs> chest out. Say it again. It's naked, Say it loud and proud. All right, I'll say it with my chest this time. Chandler Parsons is hot. <laughs> that's I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'm so happy that that's, that's on By the way, guys, we're going to have a special bonus episode for you guys where we're going to be rating all the dudes in the NBA. I promise you this. We're going to have top 25 good-looking guys in the NBA, and you guys are going to love it. And it will align extremely well with Mike's favorite players and best players. Yeah. So, you guys, keep <laughs> a list of, 10, of Mike's top, top 10, 10 players, Mike. and you'll see where they land in his good looks. They'll be in the same spots. Is it a coincidence that Mike's favorite team also might have the two best-looking players in the league? Stay tuned. <laughs> you won't have to put anyone higher or lower for that. No, they'll just be locked in. Locking at their spots. Except when Vince tries to put J.J. Redick on that list or something stupid. Oh, come on. Dude, how do you... J.J. Redick's not a bad-looking guy. What do you have a type? I I only hate on him just because Vince types him up. I was tired of hearing for the third year in a row how how J.J. Redick's the best-looking player in the league. Yeah, he also just missed the playoffs for the first time in his life. So, how about you take his name out of your mouth? (laughs) Exactly. He's having a bad week, okay? He's finally hit the point of his life where he's on the decline and he's no longer good-looking because he missed playoffs. If I could have that point in my life come at 36, I'd be so happy. That came from me at, like, 15. <laughs> Vince, I think you're beautiful. This episode, we find love. The flashy stats, Love Island. Dude, <laughs> oh, my God, that'd be perfect. Dude, I the wonder what would people... happen if you put, like, if they actually put him on Love Island and it was, like, Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Clarkson and Devin Booker, and then, like, they only had what do you make it a list it was of? Kendall Jenner. <laughs> what are you making a list of that you just threw Jordan Clarkson and Kyle Kuzma in there? Worst tattoos in the league? I can't see any potential list in my life that would have Kyle Kuzma, Jordan Clarkson, and Devin Booker all on it. What do you mean? They're on the they're on the Kendall Center <laughs> all-time starting five. You know what? You're completely right. Yeah, what do you mean, Vince? I thought you were saying that those were all attractive players. Well, I mean, I don't Kendall know. Kyle Jenner Kuzma has his moments when he doesn't look like a dirty Q-tip. But Who? Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. I mean, he had a little stint with the blonde hair and the crooked buck teeth. He's got a lot of money. He needs to fix that. <laughs> Dude, why is it always in his NBA like profile pic on fantasy sports? He looks like he got hit in the face with a truck. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys remember our first episode of this podcast? We were like, all right, let's not talk too bad on any players. Let's try to make this a family-friendly, positive experience. We brought up the strip club. I think we're past that. Yeah, I'm making chicken wings just like Lou Will in honor of him. Oh, man, I could go for some chicken wings. So could Lou Will. (laughs) Instead, I'm stuck here talking about Evan Fournier. I'm so disappointed right now. They're getting cold. All right, let's end this with Evan Fournier's average-looking face. Evan Fournier, we love you, buddy. 
and Merry Christmas. <laughs> I, I feel bad. Like, he's good, but there's just nothing to say. He's fine. If you can get him and you need a shooting guard, then get him. Like, other than that, there's nothing <laughs> to say about him. <laughs> I, don't, I just want to move if on. you can get him and you need a shooting guard, get him. That's it. Like, Simple. Like goes, what do you want from me? You want my advice? Okay. <laughs> Who am I? If you see him on the list, then take him. Otherwise, I don't understand. We're hung up. We talk about Lou Will for five minutes when we don't have much to talk about him. Here we are for eight minutes, sidetracked, not sidetracked, talking about Evan Fournier when he's literally not relevant. Here's one thing I'll say about him. If he's on another team, I'm always trying to trade for him. Like, as weird as that sounds, I'm always like, how can I get Fournier off you? Because people don't value him. No, I value don't. him more than people do. So if I don't draft him, he's the first guy I go to trade for because I think he's a valuable player on your team. I just don't ever want to invest the draft capital in him because I know I can easily trade for him. I'm pretty sure. I don't know about in our league, but I know for a fact because I told my friend to pick him because he was still there and he needed a shooting guard. So I told him to pick up Fournier. I'm pretty sure he got him for like $2. But the thing is, well, especially with like auction, it's different. But why would I spend $2 on Fournier when I could spend $2 on someone like Tyler Hero? He has so much more potential. Like, Evan Fournier is just going to be basic, and you know what he's going to do. But if I can, like, pick someone on the draft, someone I could stash on my bench or someone that can potentially be better, and then trade for Evan Fournier, I feel like that's better than drafting Evan Fournier. And then someone with Tyler Hero won't want to give him up because they see his potential or he starts to play well. That's why I flipped the other way. I don't draft Evan Fournier. I draft the player that I think has more potential and potentially has more trade value. Like, ultimately, I might just end up with Fournier anyways. But... I take the risk with the other player before taking Fournier. Do you have a team that's really risky? Is a good option if you're doing like an auction draft or something? Yeah, I really like him. I think he's going to be on a few of my teams this year. The only thing that sucks for Snake and like drafting him is it's such a fine line of where you want to take him because if in the event that you do want to trade him, just like you said, he doesn't have a lot of value for a lot of people. Yeah. So that would present a really hard choice like of taking him and potentially missing out on someone that you think will do good, but may be a complete bust. Yeah. That's my point. He just doesn't have like the potential to be breakout or anything. He's just, you know what you're going to get for him. Just there. Yeah. And, and he always has low trade value. It's just, I think it's because of his beard. I don't know. (laughs) I like his beard. I don't like it. This next part of the episode is brought to you by us forgetting that we were recording a podcast and instead watching the NBA lottery. Enjoy. Yo, wait, wait, wait. Maybe wait, wait, wait. the draft lottery is going on right now. Let's see what the Pistons end up. Come on, baby. Next at eight. eight is... That's not good. That's not good. New York's at number eight. That's not good. Dude, we got seven at what? Pistons. Oh, my God. The Pistons. We got seven. Seventh? You're supposed to get fifth. Oh, my God. These are two favorite teams, the Bulls and the Hornets. Dude, I'm, I can't believe Detroit got seven. That sucks. Dude, dude, Curry's got dreads, bro. Yeah, I know. Sweet. Look at Curry, man. Look at Curry, man. I didn't think he could pull off the dreads, bro. Oh, my God. Why can't we be top four? You know what? I think it's probably better than we didn't get LaMelo. Dude, the Suns got the 10th pick. That is terrible. Absolutely terrible. That's terrible. Terrible. Yeah, that no wait, that's good. What do you mean? You almost made the playoffs. Shh, I didn't ask you. <laughs> so he's in the top five. Who's in the top four? Minnesota, Chicago, Golden State, and Hornets. Oh my god, the Hornets. Yeah, that's crazy. That is actually crazy. Oh my god, I'm so excited for them to go fourth in the division for the next ten years. This is a crazy time for them. <laughs> Whoa, 
Wow, the T Wolves got number one. What? T Wolves, wow. Golden State, Golden State got number Hornets, two, and then Bulls. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. T Wolves to the championship next season? No, shut up, dude. Cat can't win for his life. That's true. They're gonna have to trade him. You say that about just because the team's not good, dude. Collins the Towns can't win a championship. Yeah, you know they used to say that about LeBron James, Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> That's true. Dude, the Warriors with the most successful tank of all time. Dude, I know. Why couldn't the 76ers do that? Because, <laughs> because it's the 76ers. <laughs> because we don't have a good – because we didn't have a good GM. You guys always say that the process didn't work. You can't blame the process for the fact that we drafted six centers in a row and then Markel Fultz. <laughs> I love the Sixers. I was, they're my favorite team. But, like, you can't blame the process for the fact that we've drafted and developed poorly in the past because it just goes to show that you don't have to be the worst team in the league to to draft good players this last year the warriors were the worst team in the what league. i'm saying <laughs> is they could draft the worst player in the draft still no they're gonna take they're probably gonna get wise they're gonna get wise man the question is wait who got the fourth pick the bulls Chicago. the bulls so are gonna the bulls get LaMelo. take lamello i'm quitting no the no pod. they're not the bulls aren't gonna take lamello yes they will no they're not dude i think lamello's gonna go to the hornets the hornets got rid of kemba they had substitute scary Ooh. terry which was a disaster. Now they're going to get Lamelo Ball. It actually that might work. That would be insane. I would love that team. No, you would. What about it's the, the Hornets? I'm just kidding. I can never root for the Hornets. But like, it's the Hornets. Still. It's still the Hornets. I'm so glad we're getting back to our ways. We haven't talked about the Hornets in episodes because we're talking about teams that have actually been in the bubble and stuff. How about this? We give the Hornets Andre Drummond for their third pick. How about that? All right. Hear me out. We don't have Andre Drummond anymore. Ah, I knew this coming. I didn't want to <laughs> hear it, but I knew it was coming. Hear me out. We give up our entire team, and we get cash considerations. <laughs> what are the odds that the Pistons try and trade up? Zero. Pretty good. Dude, what, I feel like they will. What assets do we have? What do you mean, dude? How can you say that? Bruce Brown is sitting right here. <laughs> Bruce Brown could stay sitting right there. <laughs> He's not going to be traded for anything. No, we have assets, dude. Second with Christian Wood and some third name. Christian Wood's a free agent. We can't trade him. You'll see. <laughs> we have zero assets. We so can't can trade up. They would rather have the player that we don't give them. All, the Pistons could also. Not that I'm saying they would, but like the Mavericks traded up to third and just trade away their next year pick. Like the Pistons can trade up a couple picks and just give up their sec- next year's first round. You know. Yeah, and then we're gonna get last place next season. And then we're gonna have no pick. Great idea. Have you ever played 2K? It doesn't yeah. matter. We just have to get the top picks in this year's draft. And then we just trade for Dennis Smith, and they'll have the best team ever. Dude, I low-key want Dennis Smith Jr. on the Pistons. Mike, well, just you about... just hit rock bottom as a Pistons fan. Yeah, that's really sad, Mike. Come on. What's next? You want it to have Alfred Payton on the team, too? I actually want that. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe we're jealous of the Knicks. Dude, odds, odds Portland takes game two. Odds. I want to hear it right now. Zero percent <laughs> chance. Okay, I'm going to say... I'm giving him game two. You're Mike, giving him game two. What come you... on, dude, Mike, Mike. Stop being Charles Barkley, dude. Mike, come on, Mike. I'm telling you, dude, they're going to go to a seven-game series. The Lakers will barely edge them out after LeBron goes beast mode and gets rid of his balding hairline, <laughs> feeling the air on my head is tickling me and I'm shooting bad. And <laughs> he's going to take him to a seven-game series and Damian Lillard is going to get waved goodbye by Kyle Kuzma as he gets a game-winning shot in his face and says, I just made it over Jesus. I'm glad we have that recorded because you can never <laughs> recite that again. Because it happens so often where, like, the first team will, like, lose a game and then just win the next four, and Mikey's just well, not here for that possibility. Yeah, no. Why am I not – wait, I'm not here for what, huh? The po- <laughs> I'm still thinking about Kyle Kuzma draining it in the third space. <laughs> I, could, I could make it over Jesus. Yeah, dude, Jesus wasn't an NBA player. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. Damian Lillard looks pretty close right now. Dude, James, May- James Wiseman is going to oh, go. Oh, God. I really thought we were going to get through a episode without you mispronouncing someone's name. James, <laughs> James Wiseman. <laughs> James Wiseman. He's going to go to the Warriors. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. Freaking Anthony Edwards is a high-powered nucleus. You heard it here first. Wow. You know who they used to say that about, right? I don't want to know. Furkan. We need to have an episode. <laughs> no, there's a... We need to have an episode, and we should talk about the best three players in the draft. Like, not who the predictions are, because that's never right. We already know that the Dang. top five aren't going to be the top five. We're looking at and you, Marco. Mike, did you say the top five is not the top five? I want you to look at the 2018 draft <laughs> class and say that to my face. I will, dude. I'm going to have Donovan Mitchell look Luke Kennard in the face when I say it, too. <laughs> what does that even mean? They were drafted one apart. It doesn't matter, man. This got so unstructured. We were like, all right, starting at number 11, starting at number 12. And then we get to Evan Fournier. We're like, all right, starting to talk about Evan Fournier. The Pistons got the seventh pick? <laughs> what? <laughs> all right, let me talk about this goof. He's not a goof. 